I'm Brett McGarry. This week, the couch potatoes head to space. I'm Jeff Brown. The offices Steve Carell and Greg Daniels have teamed up for the Netflix series Space Force. And I revisited one of my favorite movies from my childhood. And just a reminder, before we get going here, Jeff Braun is working from home. I'm working out of the studio, so there is a slight delay. So if we step on each other, that's why. Take it away, Jeff. Steve Carell has a new show out of Netflix this weekend. It's called Space Force. The president is creating a new branch in the United States military. Space Force, <laughs> which Mark will run. I don't... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> It has always been my dream to start something from the ground up. But space is hard. May I suggest that that become the new Space Force motto? How are you handling this? It's a little chaotic. And you're not the most flexible person. Are you running? Keep up! My main concern is our head scientist. This is the moon. Flat, desolate. The surface is actually a complex topography. Okay, thank you, Bill, the science guy. Space Force is a workplace comedy, but it's not as good as The Office. That's what everyone wants to know, and that's the answer. Now Space Force is brand new, and Lord knows The Office wasn't hitting home runs right out of the gate either. Space Force, like I said, created by Carell and Greg Daniels, who created the American version of The Office. As you might imagine, it's set in the world of the newest branch of the armed forces, Space Force. And Carell is the boss. He's a four-star general named Mark Naird. Like Michael Scott, Mark Naird is kind of dumb, but means well. He has a gruffer voice, though, and is a harder worker. He is surrounded by confident scientists, but prefers his own much less scientific methods. This, of course, dismays all the competent science types who are led by John Malkovich. The rest of the cast, a murderer's row of gifted comic actors. They include Ben Schwartz, Noah Emmerich, Patrick Warburton, Lisa Kudrow, Jimmy O. Yang, Diedrich Bader, Jane Lynch, Jessica St. Clair, Chris Gethard, Tawny Newsom, and Don Lake. He was on Super Dave Osborne's show and is one of my favorite that guys ever. Oh, and the late great Red Fred Willard shows up for a scene or two each episode and just steals the show. They all work at the Secret Space Force base, which is hidden in the mountains of Colorado. Carell has a wife, played by Lisa Kudrow, and a teenage daughter. But most of the action in the first two episodes, the ones I watched, took place at the base and involved a rocket launch and the repair of a satellite. The first episode didn't have a ton of laughs, but first episodes rarely do. Seinfeld, Friends, Cheers, even The Office have pilot episodes that are not exactly gut-busting. Modern Family was the rare sitcom that sort of started at 100%. And with Space Force, the second episode I thought featured quite a few more laughs. Overall, I'm so far more intrigued by the premise and the setting than impressed with the humor. Probably don't need to tell you, but the show is a pretty open mocking of the U.S. government's real Space Force, which is also new. On the show, they never say the president's name, but the description of him like his pension for Twitter and his policies are pretty similar to the real president. So if you are overly sensitive or easily triggered by a show poking fun at a politician, you might want to avoid Space Force. Most of the conflict in the first couple of episodes has centered around John Malkovich's put-upon scientist trying to deal with the general's ignorance when it comes to space. That Carell has some success in his decidedly non-scientific methods and approach only fuels their conflict. So I'm curious to see where it all goes from here and who in the ensemble cast sort of comes to the fore. If I'm being honest, I do hope it gets a little funnier, and it may very well. Again, the very beginning of sitcoms are rarely their best episodes. It simply takes time to set up the world that they're going to play in. Now, Brett, I know you watched the first two episodes as well. What did you think? Yeah, I 
I I kind of was on the fence as well. I, at first, I was like, I like this, and then I thought maybe I don't like this. So I'm I, because I've only watched two episodes. I'm going to see it through. I think because I am curious about it. I I enjoyed the story. I love the premise, and yeah. I just I found it was kind of juvenile, and some of the jokes were really falling flat because they were just it, was, it felt like really lazy writing. But the cast is so good, as you pointed out. I loved the way the first episode finished. Huge cliffhanger kind of moment, like a, a shocking moment even. Yeah. I don't really care for Steve Carell's voice, and he's got kind of... There's like a hint of a weird accent that pops out from time to time, and I don't really know what he's trying to achieve there. Uh, I also found that his character is just too stupid to be a general, to be a four-star general. Um, don't really get that. I mean, I know it's a comedy, and of course, you know, to, uh, to, ha- to provide comedy, sometimes you just have to suspend your, your belief or whatever, but uh, I just felt he was too stupid to be a general. And uh, there was even some, some humor surrounding the death of an animal that I found just tasteless. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Normally, I don't get upset by that. I just, when it comes to animals, m- maybe I, <laughs> like, I wasn't grossed out or anything. I just thought, ah, oh, this is just so juvenile. It's at 45% on Rotten Tomatoes. But as Jeff pointed out, it's the early going. We've only each watched two episodes, courtesy of Netflix uh, providing us some preview access. So thank you to Netflix Canada for that. But yeah, I mean, I love the look. It's the, the visual effects so far are some are quite impressive. You know, it's a, a big scale in terms of its setting. So yeah, I'm going to keep going with the Space Force because I love Steve Carell. I love John Malkovich. And uh, the, the two of them have sort of a nice, almost flirtatious badinage. Carell is, as you pointed out, the gruff military guy, and Malkovich is this pointy-headed scientist. Uh, so it, there, there's an interesting dynamic there, for sure. So, yeah, Space Force, it's the okay. One th- the one thing I didn't really didn't understand was that there's a lot of swearing in it. There's a lot of F-bombs and stuff in it for no real good reason, except that it just... You know, it's it's not a family show. It could very easily be a sitcom that most of the family would enjoy watching. But not, you can't have kids watching this because it wasn't just the F-bomb. There's a bunch of MF bombs as well. And it was, it was pretty aggressive. You're right. This would actually make probably a good family sitcom just based on what we've seen so far. But the language suddenly yeah. makes it uh, for a more mature audience. Do you think that Netflix makes throws in the, the, the salty language just because they can? I, I wonder about that, especially for a guy like Greg Daniels or somebody, because most of his shows, he also did uh, King of the Hill. So he's been you know constricted by the confines of network TV up until now. So maybe some of those guys just... Once they get the opportunity, they just run with it. And it's, it's like in this situation, it just doesn't make any sense. I don't know. All right. So Space Force, new this weekend on Netflix. That's a big one. Also, just a heads up slash reminder that something started earlier this week on Monday on Global. All right, everybody. Right now, when we are all in the need to get some sports back into our lives, the Titan Games returns. Are you ready for another season of the biggest, most electrifying athletic competition series ever? And welcome back. I cannot believe it. To the Titan Games. Cooking. 
Yes, Dwayne The Rock Johnson hosts this show, this competition show, which hails from NBC in the United States and airs in Canada on Global TV on Monday nights. And it is a competition that looks very, very grueling. It's uh, It pushes the contestants to their mental and physical limit as they compete on this obstacle course that involves, uh, you know, feats of strength. It's it the the athletes involved are just so cut and muscular and crazy fit. And in the gimmick with this one is they there's uh, a team of professional or uh, elite athletes who are all elite in their various fields of mixed martial arts. There's a snowboarder, um, and they are competing against the contestants. Uh, so they have to go through these elite athletes to be crowned the titan, the male and uh, female titans. So you can catch up on that on the Global TV app, or you can watch it on demand. This kind of stuff, I like watching this sort of stuff in the summertime, Jeff. Like, do you remember the show Wipeout? Wipeout was good. Also, uh, is it American Ninja Warrior? Is that what it's called? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a sim- is that a similar thing to what this Titan Games is? I guess that so. cool. And actually... I'll, I'll- yeah, I'll drop in on those if I see them and just watch them do the course once or twice or whatever just to see what's up. But yeah, the Wipeout was awesome too. One of the elite athletes in this is, in fact, an American Ninja Warrior champion. So yeah, it's not quite like American Ninja Warrior is more about strength, but also your agility and your ability to, to climb. You have to be practically a, a gymnast, whereas this, I think, is more of just almost brute strength and, and sheer will. But it looks like fun, and The Rock is the host. So so yeah. there you go. Monday nights on Global <laughs> TV, the Titan Games. Up next, I see there is a film celebrating a major anniversary that is coming to 4K Blu-ray details. Next, you are listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. Taking a look now at what's coming to home video this week. We convinced ourselves that they were gone, but they were just hibernating. They came for everybody. Oh, please. Are we safe? I guess we have ourselves a reckoning. What are you two talking about? Oh, nothing. Just the end of the world. That's Watchmen coming to Blu-ray and DVD on Tuesday, the HBO series from... uh, Now, Brett, I have forgotten. Was that this year or last year? Uh, Watchmen, that, oh boy. I think yeah, it was last I, year. Yeah, I think it was last year. that long ago? Uh, okay. That was, it was a phenomenal series on HBO. Uh, very worthy follow-up to the comic book. It was a direct sequel to the comic book, not the movie that Zack Snyder made like 10 years ago. And it was, it was just phenomenal from, uh, what's his name? Damon Lindelof, of course, that made, uh, Lost, one of my favorite shows, and The Leftovers, another one of my favorite shows. So I was sort of all in on Watchmen before it even began, and I don't think it disappointed at all. People that watch it seem to dig it a lot, Brett. Yeah, it was October uh, 20th last year, and it wrapped up in mid-December. So, yeah, I guess it's hard to keep track of time and when (laughs) things happened. Everything's become such a blur. But, yeah, I really enjoyed Watchmen, and, they, of course, the fans of the show are calling for a second season, but there was never any intention of having a second season. I suppose the door is left open a crack to have that second season. Um, I, I... 
wonder why they saw fit to even bother continuing with this story, but it was still satisfying as someone who saw the movie first and then later read the graphic novel, and then I saw the extended version, because you can buy the extended Watchmen film, which I think runs at almost four hours in length. Yeah, it's a pretty solid Blu-ray. Did I ever loan that to you? I can't remember. I don't think so. I think I've only seen it once in the theater, and that's it. Okay, I was maybe I'm reluctant to loan it because I remember I lent it to a guy and he had it for two years, so I finally <laughs> had to chase after him and say, "Can you please bring me my Watchmen Blu-ray?" So Watchmen, <laughs> the HBO series. Of course, you can also stream it if you have yeah. access to Crave TV. Then you can watch uh, Watchmen there. But what else is coming home video? Yeah, if if you were like a diehard Watchmen fan and just wanted the physical copy then you can get it on Tuesday. And that's going to be the case for these other two items on my list because it's the 45th anniversary 4K release of Jaws on Blu-ray. I've got the 35th anniversary regular Blu-ray, which I think oh, the box for this new Jaws thing looks really cool. I would like to get it. I don't have a 4K TV, though. There's no point in me buying it. But that's... Uh, Another Jaws anniversary. Every five years, they make a big stink about the Jaws anniversary. Put out another edition, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's a 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray. I'm just looking it up here because I want to see this box now that you're talking about. What, it's got what? a 45-page booklet in it. Oh, yeah? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, oh, I, don't, I need to get a 4K TV. Well, Oh, hang on. It says 4K Ultra HD plus Blu-ray plus digital code. So you could so go out and buy this. And then just wait for the TV to come along one day. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it has a Blu-ray in it. So, yeah. yeah. Um, same goes for the next thing on the list. It's the 25th anniversary Steelbook 4K edition of Apollo 13, which is uh, my favorite space movie of all space movies, and that includes Star Wars and stuff. So that's... Uh, I've got the Blu-ray of that too, so it's hard to justify <laughs> buying these things again and again and again. Jaws, I've bought three times, I think. <laughs> Apollo 13, I've bought uh, at least three times. I almost think four times. But so rebuying the same movies over and over again—that's a, a problem I have. But only with maybe ten or twelve movies. Okay, hey, we got in the next couple of minutes here. I just want to talk about. We usually don't talk about live sports here, but there was a live sporting event this week that sort of played into our sensibilities just in terms of the way that we watch and observe television. It was a unique event. Wanted to tell you quickly about the match. Oh, 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 my goodness! You made it! (laughs) Wow! Take a second, (laughs) actually. Wow! Hey, 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 man, I got that's awesome. Shut your mouth, Chad. <laughs> so the match was this big golf exhibition that happened on Sunday with Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson alongside, so two of the greatest golfers of all time, alongside two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Tiger Woods was paired up with Peyton Manning. Tom Brady was paired with Phil Mickelson. And unfortunately, it was raining at the Florida course they were playing on, or playing at on Sunday, uh, raining intermittently pretty hard, so that kind of took away 
from the proceedings. But this was a really unique television viewing event, A, because there were no fans, so it was just weird watching live sports with no fans. But it was also cool because each player was in a power cart, and each cart was loaded with a camera, so you could see them while they were moving along to each hole, and they were all wearing earpieces, so if the studio wanted to talk to them while they were going along, they could. And uh, some of the analysis as well, like... There was one point where Phil Mickelson was explaining what he was going to do with his chip. He was trying to impart some knowledge, I guess, some wisdom upon Tom Brady. And uh, he, he went into such great detail as to, okay, so I'm going to hit the ball at this angle and it's going to bounce here. You see where the grass is darker? Yeah, that means it's the grain is pushing in. And then because it's raining, the ball is going to skid on the green before the water, the rest of the water slows it down. And where everybody's thinking, yeah, right, like you're actually going to pull this off. And he did. He hit the ball like six inches from the cup and then Charles Barkley who's providing analysis says everybody's got one of those annoying friends where you ask them a simple question (laughs) and they give you brain surgery for an answer and uh, it was just kind of it was also kind of weird seeing Tom Brady not be excellent at something although he did hole out that that shot on the seventh hole but then when he bent over to pick up his ball he split his pants so that was funny so anyway the match how far away was he when he made that shot like how uh, I was like uh, about I think 150 yards. Was, oh my god! Yeah, it was with the win. Yeah, it was a, it was it was a good shot. It was an excellent shot. So that was fun to watch. So if they replay it some somewhere, maybe just check it out. Even if you're not a sports fan, because it was a unique event. Jeff Braun watched a unique film on Netflix this week. We'll tell you about the Lovebirds in a moment. You're listening to the Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett, and I watched a very funny new movie this week. It's called The Lovebirds. It's on Netflix, and it's stars Kumail Nanjiani and Issa Rae as a bickering couple on the brink of breaking up who witness a murder and get caught up in the action. I just love the smell of sizzling bacon, don't you? The only problem is the grease. Y'all ever see a bad grease burn? It is remarkable the damage a little hot oil can do. I'm going to give you both a choice, okay? All the grease in this pan or what's behind this door. What? I said bacon grease or door. It's up to you. And you're first, Mr. Bing Bong. Take the grease. Are you serious? It's boiling hot grease. You can pour the grease on my face. Edie, may I ask a question? Do I get to know prior to making my decision where you'll be pouring the grease? Um, yeah, it'll probably most definitely be your face. Thank you. She said probably my face. Uh, the movie reunites Nanjiani with director Michael Showalter. They made 2017's The Big Sick, which was my favorite movie that year. So I was excited to watch this. It's on Netflix, like I say, as we mentioned last week as well. It was supposed to be in theaters this spring, but because of the pandemic, Paramount made a deal with Netflix to release it, and it's a lot of fun. Like I said, they're a bickering couple. The movie opens with an amazing argument about the amazing race, Brett. You'll enjoy it. And they're on the verge of breaking up, but nothing brings people together like a murder mystery. I don't want to spoil any of the little fun wrinkles along the way. Suffice to say, they are mistaken for a murder they did not commit, but were on hand for, and they have something the bad guys want, so while they're trying to escape the police and the bad guy that's hunting them, they're also trying to figure out the dynamics of the murderer and the victim, hoping to solve the mystery so they can go to the police to prove their innocence. Their adventure takes place over one single day, not quite in real time, but it sort of feels like it. And the story is very basic. It really is not much in the way of a movie, but it's really funny, and in this case, 
that's all anyone's really looking for. A lot of the jokes are weird tangents that have nothing to do with the story. Others are very broad physical comedy gags. A lot of it is just the manic energy that comes with them freaking out about getting killed or caught at every turn. There's an amazing homage to a Stanley Kubrick film that pays off an earlier offhand tangent that you wouldn't think would even come back. There's actually quite a bit of that, so clever people were involved putting this together. And in fact, Nanjiani, Ray, and Showalter are a formidable comedy team, so it's not really surprising that the movie would be so funny. It is definitely one of the better offerings as far as new movies on Netflix go, but again, it's not a true Netflix movie, so again, no surprise that it's better than true Netflix movies tend to be. I would I would have paid money to see this in theater, and if you can handle some rough language, I do absolutely recommend it. It won't be winning any Oscars, but I think most people will get a kick out of it, be glad they saw it, and it's only 90 minutes, so three and a half couch cushions out of five for The Lovebirds on Netflix. And I'm just looking at information on The Amazing Race because season 32 of The Amazing Race, when you said that, I thought, oh man, did I forget to set my PVR because I knew that it had previously been set to debut on Wednesday, May 20th, but CBS pulled the pin on that. I guess it's been a couple of weeks now since they moved it. They 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 canceled that and moved it. It's now I guess tentatively scheduled to air in the fall because with you know they they've got they can't produce new shows right now, so they're going to need to fill their fall schedule. They actually oh, yeah. filmed The Amazing Race 32 between November 10th and December 3rd of 2018. So they've been sitting on this for a year and a half, and now they're going to push it to the fall. So it'll be almost two years. Can you imagine being the winner of that and have to sit on that secret for almost two years? And they give you the million dollars and you can't spend it for that time either because it'll tip off like the bank teller or something like that, probably. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, I guess... If you're like, imagine you're like drowning in debt. Well, it's more fun. Imagine you like owe money to like some loan shark or whatever, and he's coming to break your legs. And you're like, hey, man, just wait until the amazing race airs next fall. It's going to be cool. (laughs) You got to think that they'd be able to work something out where they can just quietly give them the money and let them pay their bills or whatever. But yeah, so the amazing race, probably not going to see it until the fall on CBS. On Saturday night... I felt like watching a movie, uh, something comfy, something familiar and fun. Earlier in the day, I'd been talking to someone about scary movies or movies about scary stuff. So not necessarily a scary movie uh, and a movie. Specifically, it was movies that scared us when we were kids. And I brought up a movie that came out in 1987 that I just loved when I was a kid. So when I got home, I thought, I know it's a kid's movie, but I'm going to watch it because I own it on DVD. There's a monster in my closet. Come on, all of you monsters, out of here. Ooh, look at that big, scary monster. For the first time ever on DVD. Well, who are you? We're the Monster Squad. It's the Monster Squad in a two-disc 20th anniversary edition. What's a squad? It's like Miami Vice, I think. Wolfman, Frankenstein, Gilman, Mummy, and the Prince of Darkness, Dracula. All restored and newly remastered to its theatrical widescreen format. Hey guys, get over here, he's great! The Monster Squad, that clip was from a trailer from 2007 when that 20th anniversary DVD came out. Did you ever see The Monster Squad, Jeff? Yeah, when I was a kid, I, I assume when it was new or newish or whatever, somebody in the neighborhood rented it all the time, and we'd end up watching it at least once over the summer sometime. 
So it's about a group of kids who have this little treehouse club. They got a really cool treehouse, and uh, they talk about monsters in their club, and they draw monsters. They're obsessed with monsters, and of course, because these kids love monsters, they get caught up with the Universal monsters: Dracula, Frankenstein, the Wolfman, the Mummy, and the Creature from the Black Lagoon. All these monsters converge on their community. I'm not going to get into the plot. The plot is stupid. I loved this movie when I was a kid. Just loved it, loved it, loved it. And when I bought the DVD in 2007, still loved it. I acknowledge then that it was a stupid movie, and I acknowledge it now because the plot is just ridiculous. But so what? When I was a kid, this movie was amazing, so I don't care if it's dumb. And it has some great performances from the kids that still hold up, some really great scenes and sharp dialogue. It has also has some horribly dated visual effects but hey it's from 1987 i put a clip of the monster squad on my instagram while i was watching it uh instagram at brett mcgarry if you want to follow me there and i got a half dozen messages from people all saying the same thing and it came from this scene now look i'm the leader of this squad so listen up you said dracula knows we're here so let's just try to find the amulet Get the hell out of here. Wolfman's Got Nards. What a classic scene. You can't think of the Monster Squad, Jeff, without thinking about Wolfman's Got Nards, right? Absolutely. That's the first thing I think of. And I don't really remember this movie, but I remember that. Yeah. Who doesn't remember that if you've seen The Monster Squad? And Wolfman's Got Nards is actually also the name of a documentary that was made in 2018 about The Monster Squad and its enduring legacy. I don't know how one can watch it. I tried to investigate it. I checked out that app that you found a few months back, Jeff, called Just Watch, which is a tremendous app, by the way. If you want, what does it do? Just Watch. It it's you type in the name of the movie or the show that you want to know where you can go watch it and it tells you exactly where it is streaming, where you can rent it online and where you can buy it online. Yeah, I and checked. Then it gives you a bunch of other information like IMDb does. It tells you how long it is and blah blah blah. Yeah, it's awesome. It's so good. I checked Amazon to buy it. It's not there, so I don't know. Uh, but I can tell you that The Monster Squad, I also looked that up on Just Watch. Even though I have it on DVD, I wanted to see if I could access it in some sort of HD streaming. And it is, in fact, on Prime Video. And I was watching it there, and I was enjoying it. But my cable kept crapping out. My Shaw PVR kept dying on me. So I eventually just gave up and put the DVD in because I kept have i rebooted my pvr i think five times and it took me like three over three and a half hours to watch this 90 minute movie anyway uh the, the monster squad also has my favorite movie one-liner ever so dracula is angry with the kids because they got a win in their ongoing battle and who wouldn't be mad that you got one up by a bunch of kids so he takes a stick of dynamite goes to the kids treehouse when they're not there And then... Meeting adjourned. Yes! 
Meeting adjourned. I just, I love it so much. It just gives me goosebumps every time. <laughs> and the Monster Squad, of course, has a montage, a classic 80s montage set to a song called Rock Until You Drop. Now, if that isn't the cheesiest 80s song you've ever heard, I, I don't know. But it's all, it's a great montage. I loved it. And I just loved it when I was a kid. It would get me so pumped up. But here's what struck me the most this time is just how dated it is. And in some ways, in a kind of unpleasant way. Like, this was a movie for kids, and yet the kids call each other things like fat kid, and then there are two gay slurs, starting with the letter H and the letter F, which I dare not repeat here. Granted, the slurs were hurled by mean kids, bullies, villains, but still, that language was acceptable in 1987. Still hurtful, but acceptable. So, I just it made me raise an eyebrow and go, oh yeah, we used to say things like that. Also dated, as mentioned, the visual effects, uh, but just some of the things, and not just the visual effects, but some of the things Dracula could do. Like in the Monster Squad, he's basically a Sith Lord. He had this staff that he would point at things and make them move, like he could make things move and raise them out of the water, like Yoda pulling a TIE fighter out of the water. He could shoot laser beams out of his hands? Like, what the hell? He's Dracula, not the Emperor. So that was dumb. But hey, it's fun. And like I said, great performances. The guy who plays Dracula, a guy named Duncan Regeer from Lethbridge, Alberta. Still one of my favorite Draculas of all time. Just so slick and so menacing. The kids are all wonderful. Scary German guy is fun. And then the wolf, the Wolfman and Frankenstein are actually portrayed in this sort of sad even touching way. So yeah, this movie has a lot of heart. It's silly and stupid, but it's a great, I think it's a great time for all ages. So check out the Monster Squad on Prime Video. You will have a lot of fun. Speaking of fun, I watched a movie that I believe Jeff went to see in theaters and quite enjoyed. We will tell you about that. And it actually ties back to something we discussed earlier in the show as it pertains to the Titan Games. We will unravel that riddle in a moment. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett, he's Jeff, we are the Couch Potatoes. I watched another movie in recent weeks, I think it was actually two weeks ago, didn't have a chance to talk about it last week. Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw. You want a war, you've got one. Showtime. Wanna tell me just what we're dealing with here? Look at me. Bulletproof. Superhuman. Black Superman. Came out July 2019, and it stars Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Jason Statham, who had both become integral parts of the Fast and Furious movies. Jeff, you love the Fast and Furious movies. Uh, you went to see this in theater, right? Oh, yeah. I, mean, I love the Fast and Furious movies, and I did enjoy Hobbs and Shaw when I saw it in theater, but I watched it again on an airplane at Christmas, and I turned it off after half an hour. I'm not saying I didn't like it. I was just maybe not in the mood for the relentless action and uh, 
the comedy between Hobbs and Jawswell. These guys just spend the whole movie just putting each other down in increasingly hilarious fashion. Yeah, that I found a little bit grating, and it didn't seem to make sense to me because I th- I thought that they actually befriended each other by the end of uh, Furious Eight or whatever. But sixty seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes with the critics, eighty eight percent audience, and I did not go in expecting to enjoy this as much as I did. I figured I would get a kick out of it, but that would be it. But I really liked it. Like I found the action was really innovative and ingenious a little too much cg action but it was still really creative and like you it it was insane but i think maybe because this one almost bordered on science fiction right because idris elba's character has been bio uh he's like biomechanically uh, enhanced (laughs) so he's a super villain uh so i think that helped make some of the crazy stuff more acceptable because fast and furious has now gone from being just about fast cars to actually fighting super villains so who cares all bets are off and when you have a real life pair of superheroes like dwayne the rock Johnson and Jason Statham, who are both machines. Uh, it was great. I think the action was super fun. Uh, it was a little on the lengthy side. It probably didn't need to be as long as it was, but yeah, highly recommended if you watch that. I think I just watched it. Uh, I believe it's available on Crave, if I'm not mistaken. So if you want to check out Hobbs and Shaw and you've got access to Crave, give her. It's a fun time, especially as we head into, uh, we're, we're in the summer movie season with no summer movies. So yeah. there you go. And it's got a real fun cameo from uh, another guy that appears in a couple of superhero movies. I don't want to give it away, but it's good times. Um, One more thing on our agenda here. The man, the myth, the legend, Clint Eastwood, turns 90 on Sunday. And he's still working, by the way. He directed Richard Jewell last year, which is a pretty good movie. He's directed 37 other movies and appeared as an actor in another couple of dozen. He's an icon. And his family's making sure COVID-19 doesn't ruin their birthday plans. His son, Scott, whom you may remember from such films as Fast and Furious 8, told Access Hollywood what his family has planned for his dad. You know, we're going to do just a family thing. Very, very calm, very mellow. He doesn't really like birthdays. He just sort of is like, I don't, I don't want to do birthdays, you know, so <laughs> we're going to have a nice lunch. That sounds exactly like uh, Clint Eastwood. Crotchety old man stuff right there. Again, Eastwood, happy birthday. Turns 90 on Sunday. That's all the time we have. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. You can follow us on Twitter at CouchPotato68. And, of course, if you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, you're listening to this on the radio, make sure you subscribe to the podcast because we record it on Thursdays and it makes it to the podcast platform before it makes it to the broadcast platform. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch... Don't bother.